remind you that watch night service is coming up. That'll be Monday starting at 9 o'clock in the gym from uh, 9 to 10.30. We'll be having fellowship and food, and then we'll come down to the sanctuary for our service. And uh, I know it's a late night, but I want you to be here if you can. We always enjoy uh, praying together and, and uh, leaving things at the altar, leaving things from 2018. Just let's lay them down and leave them here and believe God for a great year. If he didn't come get us before 2019, then you know, 2019 is going to be great. You can you can just ain't no sense in worrying about what happened in 2018. It's time for 2019. It's time for another year. Turn the if you get new calendars and you get new planners, get all that. Then quit going back and looking at 2018 calendar. Just you buy, you buy that planner. It's it's blank. It's ready for you to fill it in. Fill it in with great things from the Lord. So uh, we're looking forward to that and um, just glad to be in His presence tonight. Glad to be in His house. And um, so tonight, let's get ready for his word. Uh, Brother Nathaniel's going to be speaking to us tonight. And uh, he, he shared with me Sunday. He said, uh, I was, my Sunday school lesson and message, he said, you know, you was just right all over everything I was already thinking about. So I feel like God's trying to tell us something. He'll do that, won't he? So let's listen to the word of the Lord tonight. Give him a hand as he comes tonight. Praise the Lord, church. Uh, like Pastor said, this is going to be a little bit of a recap in a way of what he preached um, Sunday, both Sunday school and uh, in the main service there. Um, I don't plan to be very long tonight, um, but I'm not going to, and I'm not going to be an exact replica of Pastor's messages. I just. I'm going to take, say the same thing, but in a little bit of a different way, if you will. All right. Um, so our opening text, I'm going to read Psalm 24, the whole chapter. Say amen when you got it. Amen. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, and the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath found it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the foothill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him and that seek thy face. O Jacob, Selah, lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lift up. Ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is. The King of glory, Selah. Oh, I'm going to speak to us a little bit tonight on the topic of who is this King of glory. Now let's say a prayer for the service. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for letting us come into your presence again tonight, God, to look at your word. 
Oh, Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our souls, and let us glean from it. Let it go forth and fall on good soil. Let your anointing be on me, Lord God. Use me as your humble vessel. Oh, and give me the words to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Mm, yes. So, um, our text. Bible scholars believe, and rightfully so if you take a close look at what's being said here, that David penned this psalm to reflect on the Ark of the Covenant returning into Israel. Because we know that uh, the Philistines had taken the ark and um, had been out of the presence of the Lord had been out of Israel for a long time. And so we see here David proclaiming, Who is this king of glory? And he says it both in a question and then at the end he is declaring it as an answer to his own question. You know, who it says here, who you know the king of glory shall come in and says who is the king of glory the lord the strong and mighty the lord mighty in battle um but david even though he's declaring who the king of glory is strong and mighty in battle and he, he's the lord of hosts david could only know god so far and so um actually about a I don't know, maybe about a month ago, I was struck with the question of who is the king of glory. And it's, it's easy to just spout out an answer, but I wanted to be like, this is the answer to who is the king of glory. And so let's go all the way back to where it all began with Adam. And Adam, you know, created by God, the first human being. And I started to wonder, what did Adam call God, right? Because he walked and talked with God every single day, and so I was like, he didn't call him Jesus, because Jesus wasn't revealed yet. And then you come to the realization that Adam didn't need to know God in the time of the garden, he didn't need to know God as Jesus because he walked with God. And I can't prove this, but I would believe that Adam walked with God as a physical sense of like me and Pastor taking a walk in the woods, that he had a, a physical being that looked like him because Adam was made in God's image, right? And so he walked with God in, in the Garden of Eden as the fullness of the Godhead. So Adam knew God in a very intimate way. He didn't need to say Jesus because, and, and why is this? Because he was in perfect harmony, harmony with God. There was no sin. But there came a, a fall, right? Adam and Eve fell and sin entered into the world and all of a sudden there was a great divide between Adam, well, mankind and God. And now man needed a savior. So a side a side thought um taking a, a step away from who is the king of glory. You know, we pray earnestly for our prodigals 
And Pastor mentioned the other day, you know, he said they can say that they feel okay walking away from God. And we know the sense of having the Holy Ghost, and then you walk away from God, and there's a knock on your heart. But can you imagine what Adam and Eve felt like? I mean, you actually spent time in the full glory of God, and all of a sudden that is severed forever for the rest of your life. And, and now death enters in. So the fall of man happened. And then in the Bible we, we see a, a very long journey of individuals seeking out who is God. Um, Noah had a relationship with God, um, and God saved Noah and his family from the flood. But Noah only knew God to a certain point. He knew him as a, as a physical savior, uh, of the savior of the flesh. Um, Abraham is known as a friend of God. Um, we know Abraham saw visions, and he communed with God um, very intimately, but only intimately to a certain point. There is still a, a divide. And, I mean, he, Abraham was, had such a relationship with God that God chose and used him to produce the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. But, again, there was you know, a friend, and that's it. That's it. Um, in the English language, we're kind of limited compared to many other languages. I know German and Spanish for sure um, have two words for the word no. And I don't mean N-O, I mean K-N-O-W. There's a, I know pastor as... He's the pastor of RAC. Um, I know Jessica. She's the girl that works at UGA. But then there's a more intimate knowledge of, I know that person. Like, I know what you like to eat. I know where you like to go. I know what, what things are like. Hey. So there's, there's two no's, but in English we just have no and it covers all. <laughs> and so we lose a little bit of that. And so what we're seeing here is a constant search for uh, intimate knowledge of God. Um, Moses went up into the mountain and saw a burning bush, and he said, Whom shall I say sent me? And God revealed himself as, I am that I am. Say that I am that I am sent thee. And so he is there revealed as the great I am. And again, he is revealed as a, a savior of his people, right? A, a provider. He provides for them as they go through the wilderness. But there again, no go. Job, I wanted to, for some reason, I, I tried to get rid of Job out of, out of this, but it kept popping up, so I'm going to cover Job. Um, Job, as we know, was an upright man, devout, so much so that God and Satan 
decided to have a little bit of a discussion and a powwow over him, right? Um, and here they, God, you know, keeps on giving Satan more and more. You know, you, he, he'll keep you until you let me take this and that and that and then flesh. And, and here we see Job sitting there covered in boils. His kids are gone. His livestock's gone. His fields are gone. Everything's gone. And yet, and his wife is sitting there saying, curse God and die. And Job says, though he slay, you know, he gets to the point where he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. So Job knew God on such an intimate level that he's like, this God that's an invisible God to me can, can kill me, wipe me out, but I'm still holding out true that this is, this is the God. But even there, he's not Job's God of salvation. So we've got Job. Now we're on to David, the author of our opening text. David was known as a man after God's own heart. Um, does anybody, has anybody pondered why David was called a man after God's own heart? We could say it's because every time he fell, which was many, 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 many times, he repented. Um, that would be a good guess. Um, it was because he was anointed of God. That's true. That could be, but... King Saul was anointed of God, and yet he he backslid, turned his heart against God. Um, you could say that because he wrote many, many psalms, songs unto the Lord, praising and worshiping God. Perhaps. But if we look in, um, I should have wrote this one down. If we look in Acts... I want to say it's Acts 13.22. It tells us that... Nope, it's not it. Anyways, in Acts, um, the Bible tells us that David was called a man after God's own heart because he did God's will. He knew God's will. And so every single time we see David fall before God, every time he gets caught with his hand in the cookie jar, so to speak, um, he repents, and then he does God's will for either the nation of Israel or in his own life. And then in our text, David declares God is king of glory. He, he also declares him, you know, throughout Psalms, just title after title of who God is to him and who God is in reality. But David only got to go so far. There's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to tie this in here, but we know that when it came to build uh, Solomon's temple, that or build the temple that God didn't allow David because of the blood on his hands. 
Um, and it wasn't, some people say that it was because of the blood of many people, you know, the many wars he fought and everything. But I don't think that's so. I don't believe that's so because I believe the blood on David's hand that prevented him from building the temple of the Lord was um, his his murder of Uriah and taking Bathsheba. But at the same time, David did the will of the Lord. And something that I find ironic is that what caused the division between man and God, what caused us to lose who the king of glory is, was disobedience by going in and taking the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So disobedience caused a severage, and yet David is known as the man after God's own heart because he unequivocally obeyed God. He messed up, but he made sure everything that he messed up was made right. But then there came a time, and I'm going to go through, um, Hannah, I'm going to, do those three scripture verses. Um, seeing that yesterday was Christmas time, this is when the King of Glory got to be revealed again. Um, we're going to do Luke 1, verses 30-33. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Mm. And he shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. I think that's pretty cool. Um, Let me go ahead and do, the next one is going to be Luke 2, verses 8 through 14. Um, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Mm -hmm. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was... With the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace and goodwill towards men. You know, I said I was going to go on through to the next one, Hannah, but I'm going to pause there. Twice, both scriptures. So David didn't get to build the temple of the Lord. And yet, in the city of David, God revealed the king of glory. Mm. 
And he was referred to as the son of David, the house and lineage of David. I don't know about you guys, that's really cool to me. It's like, you aren't allowed to do this. But because of obedience to the word of God, he got named after the king of glory. Okay, so the next, sir, uh, next scripture is Isaiah 6, 1 through 5. In the year that the King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Mm. I can't imagine what it would have been like to be Isaiah in that moment, having that, witnessing that vision. Because Isaiah was several hundred years before Christ coming to earth, and yet he acknowledged that he was a man of unclean lips, and he lived in a, with a people of unclean lips. But the seraphim comforted him and, and ministered unto him. But as of what we, t- what we celebrate, I know December 25th may not be the actual birthday of Jesus Christ, but it's the day that we choose have picked to remember it. Through, through studying this, um, it's opened my eyes, anyways, uh, to a whole new level of who the King of Glory is. He is the Savior. A lot of times, we get caught up in our daily routine of needing things. I mean, we will pray for healing. We'll pray for financial blessing, um, ease of stress in our workplace. There's an unlimited number of things that we may seek God for. And He is the provider of each and every one of those things. But... There's some there, God provided everything for the children of Israel all the way through before the coming of Christ. Salvation is mm, <laughs> the sa- salvation of our souls is is paramount. Mm. I wanted to point out that. In Isaiah, he said his, the Lord's train filled the temple. The length of a king's train had significance. Um, it is said that in olden days that kings would, 
when they would go and conquer another king's land, that they would actually cut the hem of the robe off of the defeated king and sew it onto their own. And therefore, the longer your a king's robe would be, the more power he had um, over lands, over kingdoms. For a king to have a robe to fill the temple, he's won every victory. Mm. So tonight, in his kind of short Bible study that I did, I just wanted to go through it and and just say, <laughs> the king of glory, what makes the king of glory is the birth the birth, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and then the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. And that is the King of Glory. And that's that's all I had for tonight. Well, I feel like we've had a discussion a lot lately. I- we were actually talking before, and I said, you know, if Jesus was concerned enough with trying to get his people to understand who he was, if you believe not that I am he, he said, you'll die in your sins. As He wasn't trying to get them to see, I'm just the man that's going to the tree. You need to know who I am. Because he came to his own, as we said Sunday, and they received him not and they knew him not he, the world was made by him he was in the world and they didn't even realize it and he wept over his city over Jerusalem weeping because that was the city he said I'm going to put my name there forever and yet you didn't know the time of your visitation if you believed Moses you'd believe me because Moses wrote about me and I, I was mentioning to brother Nathaniel I said I think that where sometimes us Gentile people lose knowledge of him is in the fact that, well, he was talking to the Jews there, and all I need to be concerned about is John 3.16, and I'm going to be okay. I said, but you have to read Jesus, the words he said, and and realize that uh, he's speaking to all of us. And then when it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, he's saying, a hero Gentile, the Lord your God is one Lord, because we're grafted into the vine. And uh, we're part of this, this body. There's only one body. There's one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. And And so... God gave a ministry. You know, I talked about Sunday that I might know him. And then uh, Paul's writing to the church. He said, God gave this fivefold ministry for the perfecting of the saints till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge. Something about knowing who he is. He said, in that knowledge of Christ, he said, it'll keep you from being tossed about with every wind of doctrine. So if you don't know who Christ is, if you, if you really don't know, then you'll believe a Trinitarian doctrine. And if you believe a Trinitarian doctrine, you'll believe once saved, always saved. You'll believe that it's, uh, grace, it's grace plus nothing and I'm going to be fine. That's, 
winds of doctrine that will swing you all over the place. But when you know that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh and that there is only one God and his name is Jesus. And let me tell you, the only God you'll ever see will be Jesus Christ. You ain't going to be any different than John the Revelator. There was one throne and one sat on the throne. And that's who he saw. And even in Isaiah's vision, he saw one king. Jesus said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. Well, then, if there's three, what's the Father and the Holy Ghost do? They, nothing. It's because all the fullness dwells in him, in him bodily. It'd be like this, this bottle of water right here. All the fullness dwells in him bodily. Everything that makes up God was in Jesus Christ. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It just goes on and on and on. You can't, if, if people would just read it like it says it and not try to uh, go off on the tradition of men. That's why Paul said, beware. Let's any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, the rudiments of the world. You know, trying to, uh, well, they, they wrote this paper. They had this council. They made this decision. That ain't got nothing to do with the Bible. What did God say about himself? If you want to know who somebody is, ask the person. And if you want to know who God is, see what God says about himself. His word's forever settled. And uh, to take away from it, to add to it, uh, hurts the individual. But if you would just take God's word for what it says and what God says about himself. Jesus didn't change. when God didn't change how he thought or how he talked when he started walking on the earth. He was always clear about who he was in the Old Testament. And when he was walking in the flesh and the new, he, and they said, well, who are you? I'm the same that I said unto you from the beginning. He never changed. Uh, he never tried to you know, dodge that. Uh, I'm the same that I said unto you from the beginning. But you can't believe me and you don't hear me. And he would tell them, so you don't hear me because, you know, but my sheep know me and my sheep know my voice. And they hear me and they, and they won't follow another. And that's, that's it. I, I know him because I know what his word says about him. God will always, his word's true. And so if you want to know about God, see what God, don't worry about what some man wrote in a paper about him. Don't, don't worry about what some council got together and decided. See what God says about God. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. I tell you, I, I, I can talk about this all night, Brother Larry. This is, this is my subject. And uh, Brother Nathaniel, stir, that stirs me up. People start talking about who is this King of glory. Well, he's Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, God manifest in the flesh. For, so I guess I, I'm not trying to preach behind you, but I shouldn't, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have got up here and started preaching behind you. But this world, you know, like I say, if you, if you don't know him, you'll be blown about with every wind of doctrine. Somebody needs to preach to you who he is because that'll, that'll settle you. You won't have questions about it. You won't have to worry about it. You'll know that he is God Almighty. I love, I love the old prophets. We're built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And what the prophets spoke in mystery, the apostles preached in a revelation. And he said there's no other foundation that can be laid than the one that's already laid, and that's Jesus Christ. And so if Paul preached that Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh, he wrote specifically 
if anybody, if an angel from heaven come down and preach any other gospel than what we're preaching, and he, then he just says it again. He just repeats himself in case you were distracted and you didn't hear me. Let me say it again. And he said, if any man, if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel than what we have already preached, then let that angel or that man be cursed. So you can't change, no matter how much you want to, you can't change what Paul and Peter and all these other guys preached. You just can't, you can do it, but it'll hurt you. You've got to believe who he is. You've got to believe in the Savior. You've got to believe in God Almighty. So that's right. So it's a very important question. I remember years ago, um, Brother Hart said he was talking to, it was actually a family member of his, from, uh, or it may have been of Sister Hart's, but he lived in Florida. And he, he made this comment a couple of times when he was teaching on the oneness. And he said, I had a conversation with this guy. And after a little while, the guy said, well, uh, we don't need to major in minors. In other words, he was saying it's not really a big deal. If you believe in the Trinity or believe in one, it don't really matter. But Brother Hart said it does matter. And that's what was preached to me. It does matter. And that's, and that's what I preached to this church. It does matter what you believe about the Lord. How can you worship him in spirit and truth if you don't know him in truth? And so uh, if you would just read the scripture, put them together, see what the scripture says about him, you'll come to the conclusion there ain't but one. He's an invisible God. That's evident. Scripture bears it out. But Jesus Christ is the image. The only God you'll ever see. No man comes unto the Father unless they come through him. You know why? Because <laughs> he and his Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There's no other. You don't look nowhere else for the Father. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, yeah, and there's one God and one Father of all who's. Before. All right, I'm repeating myself. So you see, it matters. And if and uh, but you know what's hard for people. You know, you know what kills more people's faith or stops them short than anything. Tradition. Tradition. I've I've talked with so many people about this. Well, I I hear what you're saying. Preacher, but you know, my family's always been well, but you see what I'm saying. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but my family's, and I think I'll just stick with that. Okay, tradition it stops more people, and tradition will cause so many people to be lost because uh, even the, the Lord. Uh, told him, he said, look, you're, you're preaching uh, traditions of men. You're, you're preaching it like doctrine. You're preaching it like things that have to be done. And people have said, well, you know, this is what I, this is a tradition. It's my family. It's, we've always been this. So this is what we're going to stay. We've always been, you know, Trinitarian. We've always been Baptist or Catholic. We, you know, and this is what we're going to be. All those names, don't we? Even, let me tell you, even the name, you know, it doesn't have to even say apostolic on the sign. I'm not saying, I'm saying you've got to believe what the Bible says. If it just said the church, you know, Brother Everhart, that's why the name of the church in Milton was the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He said, because that's, that, that's it. We're the church of the living God. We're the church of Jesus Christ. We're the body. Whatever you want. Don't get hung up on those names. But you can't change the truth. You can't change the truth. And so it's got to be built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. It cannot be different than what they built. And you can't build on any other foundation than Jesus Christ. And so that's it. Mm. Any questions? <laughs> that's it. So I'm thankful uh, for the Lord stirring our minds toward finding out who he is. And I'm, I can tell you one thing. The more you find out about who he is, the word works, the more you'll start shaking off traditions of men and traditions of this world. You'll start leaving that stuff behind, uh, getting to him, because that's what it said would happen. It would keep you from getting blown around. And I mean, doctrine ain't always just religious stuff. It's what men have made religious stuff. So if you start finding out the truth of God, you'll start shaking off some of this stuff and be like, that stuff, that all that frilly stuff and things like that, don't that ain't got nothing to do with him. And so, uh, I'm telling you, search the word, search the scripture, find out who he is, and man, you'll love your walk, and you'll and it's exciting. It, like he was some of the things I could tell when it was moving on him. He was reading some stuff. He was getting broke up. Some of that stuff it'll get you, man. When you start, your eyes start opening. You're like, oh my. Man, have you ever just been studying and just hollered? <laughs> have you ever been like maybe just sitting in your table reading and you're like, woo! And then you have to read it again. You're like, yeah, I did just read that. And, or God just dropped that on you and you're like, yep. Open your eyes or something. You're like, unbelievable. I, it's, it's amazing. It's incredible. Love that word of God. Love the spirit of God. Appreciate that word tonight. Um, as we get ready to go, I want to pray for my wife again. She left. She's, if you're wondering where she's at, she, she started feeling worse. And so she went around, went out back, out the door. She said, I'm, she texted me and said she was on the way home. And so let's please pray for her tonight. And um, I don't know if she's got, she may have food poisoning. She said she's, she's hurting real bad. And she's been very nauseous. So she doesn't feel like she's got like a flu, but she's, I think, May have been some bad pizza, so I don't know, but she's she's not feeling good. So she asked if we would please pray for her. So if you'll stand with me tonight, we'll pray one more time. Pray for her and just pray for our hearts to be full of this word of God. So, Lord, we love and thank you for your word.